Welcome to Conversations with Dr. Jennifer, a collection of interviews on the topics of relationships, sexuality, spirituality, and more, all featuring Dr. Finlayson Fife. Hey guys, today we have with us Jennifer Finlayson Fife, and she is an LDS relationship and sexuality coach with a PhD in counseling psychology. She focuses on helping LDS folks achieve greater satisfaction and passion in their emotional and sexual relationships. She offers consultation, online courses, and many live workshops and retreats. She's also the host of Room for Two, a popular sex and intimacy coaching podcast. Today, she's going to be offering us her expert tips on working through conflict in relationships. Thanks for being here today, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so what? how is conflict an important part of intimate relationships? Well, intimacy is sometimes we confuse with validation. So a lot of times we say we want to have an intimate relationship, but in fact, we don't really want it. We want a relationship that makes us feel good about ourselves. And sometimes we use the word intimacy when we mean feeling that we get back from another person, that sense of closeness or the sense that we're okay. Intimacy actually requires that you are knowable and that you know your partner. And Mm. when you do that in a relationship, it brings up differences. It brings up areas of conflict. One of the things I talk about a lot in the courses that I do is that human beings want two things all the time. That is, we want to belong to someone special to us, right? We want to belong to important people in our lives. Everybody, human beings attach, we need to feel connected in order to thrive. But we also want to belong to our own sense of autonomy. We want to belong to the idea, you know, that we can pursue our own goals and dreams and ambitions and claim our own beliefs and not be controlled by people even if they matter to us a lot. And so in relationships, those two things are operating all the time, which is I want to be close to you, but don't tell me what to do. And so a lot of times when we're falling in love, there's so much dopamine and so many positive feelings and projections about who the other person is (laughs) that we think this is gonna be amazing because I'm gonna be loved 24 seven and I can pursue all the things that matter to me and we don't realize that once that sort of uh, fog of, of, of dopamine starts to dissipate, you have to confront the annoying differences, the immaturities in you and in your partner and conflict, which is different than contempt or hatred, right? But conflict as in we have different points of view is going to emerge if the relationship is honest. Mm. Now, you know, a lot of people find ways to not keep it honest, mask what you really feel and resent, or covertly go and get the things that you want, hide things from your spouse, dominate the other person, get them to agree with you because you are giving them the 700 ways that you're right and they're wrong. So we do a lot of nasty things sometimes to try to get both the feeling of belonging and also trying to belong to ourselves. So I don't mean that that's necessary or that that is good because that will undermine a relationship every time, but to have honest conflict, honest differences, 
and to work until you can come up with something that you both feel good enough about, both feel is workable. Is That's a really critical part of being happy in a relationship is that you stay in honest conversation or conflict long enough that you have found a way for you to both belong to each other and, your, and yourselves. And so that requires compromise and collaboration and sometimes sacrifice. I don't mean, you know, erase yourself in the relationship, but sometimes doing things that stretch you or outside of your comfort zone in order to make more room for your partner's happiness in, in the relationship. Mm, mm -hmm. How can couples start to shift their view of conflict and see it as an opportunity for growth, like you're talking about? Yeah. Well, you should really track what your objectives are in conflict, because a lot of times we think we're trying to get it worked out or make things better but we have an ulterior motive that we don't even see, which is more about prevailing or proving we're right or competing with our partner or making them pay for not seeing things the way we want them to. So mm. a lot of times we're bringing up, let's say areas in the sexual relationship that aren't working. I work with a lot of clients that their, their goal in speaking is more to prove why something won't work, for example or to punish their partner for the ways that they're different, or to say, you are immature and I'm more mature than you, or you don't get things sexually and I do. And so they have not the goal of how do we figure this out, but instead the goal of why you should yield to me or why I'm right and you're wrong. And so you want to really keep track of what is the impact and effect of what I'm doing. I may tell myself one thing, but am I actually speaking in a way to solve it? Or am I speaking in a way to prove that you should do it my way? If you're thinking, yeah. So if you're thinking more like, how do we actually solve it? Well, then let's, let's take the sexual arena, for example. You're going to talk more in terms of this is hard for me. This doesn't work for me. And I really want a good sexual relationship with you. So if we were to do more of X, Y, and Z, right? that would work much better for me. But the communication is not about critique. The communication is not about making your partner feel bad. The communication is about solving so you can create a sexual relationship that you both feel good about. And so you want to think about, is my eye on the larger picture or is it in the self-protective, reactive position that maybe makes me feel great about me in the moment but doesn't actually solve what we're trying to solve. That's a um, pretty impactful statement, insight that you just gave us. Like, wow, and I'm yeah. feeling like if, if couples can start to think about it that way and yeah. really examine yourself and your yeah. own motivations and your language, how you're yeah. speaking, I, I, that's really impactful. I love that you pointed out that sometimes we even fool ourselves. Uh, we, we are very good at fooling ourselves. We're very good at seeing our partner's limitations and terrible at seeing our own. We really are. We tell ourselves stories about our good intentions or the only reason we're doing X, Y, and Z is because our partner does A, B, and C. And we, we tell ourselves deceptive stories and they're very costly. 
And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I do a bunch of online courses and what I'm really, my major goal is helping people to use their relationship to see themselves more accurately because you can't love well and you can't desire another person from your heart unless you can really see who you are and grow your ability to love up, to grow your ability to collaborate up, right? Because our kind of primitive instinct is to self-protect and self-defend. And we have to grow out of that into a person more capable of friendship, more capable of collaboration, if we're really gonna have a thriving partnership. Really, it, it sounds to me like you have to, if you're saying our, our natural instinct is to protect ourselves, imagine how powerful of a coupleship you could have if you start to naturally see your partner as part of yourself. Mm -hmm. So then when you are thinking about issues and problems, things coming up, your natural instinct is how can I protect this partnership? Yes. And work exactly. towards, they're yeah, work towards they are certainly it. part of your happiness, right? They really are. So I agree with what you're saying. Mm. There's a problematic version of that, which is enmeshed functioning, right? So I need to calm my spouse down or I need to get them to feel okay about me. That's different than what I think you're saying. The more yes. mature version, right, is not that I'm responsible for my partners, you know, they have their responsibility in the relationship and it will always be theirs. However, going back to that first idea that we want to belong to each other and ourselves, those are really two sides of the same coin. If you screw with your support system, if you undermine your marriage out of your self-protection, not only does your spouse pay, but you pay a big price for that because you've undermined one of the most valuable assets of a happy life. You've undermined a peaceful friendship. You have interfered with creating partnership, which is really fundamental to adult happiness. Right. And so, yeah, you really think about, I don't want to screw with this person. I need to grow up to be somebody who can give as good as I hope to get, that can really care about another person, just like I want to be cared about. And mm -hmm. so it, it does take a kind of self-regulation and self-control in the best sense to say, like, I may feel something, I may be angry, but if I just go and indulge it at their expense, we will all pay. That will be lose-lose. So how do I think about what I'm angry about and come in in a more productive way to solve something here, to talk honestly about what's going on between us? not just what my partner's doing, but also what I'm doing. And, you know, that's, that's the way that marriage and partnership can push our development forward if we let it. Right. As you're saying, as opposed to coming in, trying to either prove how you're already right or, and prove how your spouse is wrong somehow, Getting look at it like, here's the issue. And I, it's in my best interest and their best interest to try and tackle it and solve it together. That's right. And all I can do is control what I'm doing to right. add to this dynamic. And That's then right. you have good faith that your partner is also going to be trying to 
control what they're doing and their yeah. side. And if you right. can get two people conjoined like that, That's then right. you can, it's easier to move forward towards the kind of partnership yeah. you want. Exactly. Yeah. That's powerful. That's yeah. really powerful. And you know, you, you can't obviously control the other person and, you know, they may not pick up their half, but like you're saying, so often we're a part of their, I was just working with a couple right before this, where she was saying, I just hate it when he gets angry, but she would resist listening to him, wouldn't take him serious, would get micromanaging. And, you know, his anger would just go up and up. Now, of course, he still isn't responsible for himself, but she would be doing precisely the thing that would give her the result that she said she hated so much. Mm. And, you know, because that his anger would allow her to give herself a pass in a covert way. She actually wants his anger because then she feels more justified in just doing things the way she wants because he's mm. out of control. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of times we, and I, I think she honestly couldn't see it. It I had to point out to her, do you think when you do that, he's going to get more angry or less angry? I mean, she knew the answer, but her brain was not letting her see it until I was pointing out that she's a part of the problem um, unwittingly. Well, it definitely is a um, delicate line that we're walking because we're recognizing that we're responsible for ourselves, for our actions, for what we're putting in, but just the nature of being in relationships in general, you are connected. You are That's going right. to affect each other. That's it's right. um, relationships really are that infinity symbol sideways. There's yes, an action, are. then a reaction, then an action, then a reaction, and you are connected. Just That's right. so, so it does sound like it's going to take some learning, learning yes. about these things to be able to yes. recognize them, to Absolutely. walk that balance between that's right I'm connected to you we're in a relationship versus I'm responsible for myself which is what you started talking about in the very beginning really is that's that tension piece between we want to be in a relationship and loved and understood and in our we want to belong yep and we also want to belong to ourselves yeah so you did briefly mention I just want to take it back really quick You you said one sentence about conflict is not contempt. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about just a little bit. What's the difference between conflict and contempt? Sure. And and it's kind of been throughout, you know, what I've been saying, but contempt is more about, I want to take you down, right? I'm going to use our differences to punish you, to prove that I'm right. And of course, as I talk about these strategies that we do when we're in self-protection mode, that are really destructive and yet they feel very justified and they're very hateful, really. I mean, we don't tend to think of ourselves as hateful people, but human beings are very capable of doing quite hostile things when we feel that our backs up against a wall or we feel like we can't belong to what matters to us. So we can do things that we can be controlling, we can be superior, we can hide things, we can go along and be a martyr and just resent and make our spouse pay covertly, right? There are lots of ways to punish our spouse for not being what reinforces us. And that's what I would call contempt, right? Mm. That's, and it's got a, it's not clean. It has a much more destructive um, effect 
because hatred, hostility, meanness is destructive. And so learning how to deal with differences and stay respectful of yourself and your partner. That's really the goal. When my, the podcast I do is called Room for Two. It's a sex and intimacy podcast where I'm working with couples on their particular issues and giving my feedback. But the reason, one of the names, I, what, the double entendre of Room for Two is, is that a thriving couple and a couple that has a lot of passion have made room for two people to thrive. I was just reading an article yesterday in Psychology Today about the happiest couples feel a lot of autonomy within their marriage. And I don't mean isolation and aloneness. I mean that they feel like they can pursue things that matter to them and still have the friendship, that they don't have to be there to back up their partner's ego all the time or, you know, make sure he or she doesn't feel lonely or something. They can, they can go and do things that matter and their spouse can do the same. And so that room for two idea is that you feel like I get to have this friendship and belong to me. And the only way you create that is when you can bring those differences into the conversation in a respectful way, not push yourself down or push yourself above your partner, but say, how do we work this out? And that's a really valuable skill to develop um, and become better at because your happiness is highly dependent upon it. Yeah, because relationships are really the most important thing as people. This, this is how we function. This is what we need. Our brains are wired to need relationships and other people. Yes. Yes, yeah, exactly. that, um, that is really so important. And I love that you use the word skill because yeah. skills can be learned. Skills can be practiced. Skills yeah. can be bettered. And so if you're in a situation in your relationship where it's struggling, there's so much hope in yes. knowing that improvement is a skill and you're That's a capable right. person. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Human beings are meant to grow. We're meant to evolve and we grow in the areas that we, we push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. Then we start to master it. So the more you try, the better you'll get at it. Yeah. That's great. And just a quick question in our, um, in the intro, we talked about how you work with mostly LDS folks, mm -hmm. but this mm -hmm. e-course, you feel like anybody can benefit from this. You yeah. don't have and to be part of the LDS religion. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to be LDS for really any of my materials. Anyone who listens to my podcast will soon see that I'm really much like today's conversation. However, um, I grew up as a Latter-day Saint wrote my dissertation on, on Mormon women and sexual agency. And so that's a group that I work with, but I'm, it's a lot of, a lot of people take my courses that aren't members of the church because they're very universal principles, um, around how to develop ourselves into more loving people. So yeah. So awesome. For this course, I want to make mention, sure, yes, yeah, yes. let's make sure our listeners understand that because yep. it's a wide audience for this summit. So yeah. even if you're not falling into that specific genre, go check out her e-course. You're yeah. going to be glad you did. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming by today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we ask that you please rate, review, and share the podcast. 
so that more people can find and benefit from Dr. Jennifer's work.